everyone and welcome back to another episode of Prep Talk podcast. I'm your host Vartika Bhandari. To start off this episode, I would like to say that we have done a lot of videos on how important standardized tests are in your college application. But today we are going to talk about everything that hardship boils down to, your college application. Yes, to start off this episode we have with us Abhinav Nath from Nextrack Consulting who has helped many students in the process of their college application and help them land in the finest institutes around the globe. So if you're interested in building a very good college application, I suggest you keep on listening to this podcast. And without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Abhinav. Welcome to the Prep Talk podcast. How are you? Hi, Vartika. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. It's great to have you here. So, so first off, uh, I would like you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Perfect. Sounds good. So, hey guys, my name is Abhinav. I have actually been in the counseling space for about seven years now. And uh, Next Track is an organization that I founded, started about three and a half, four years ago. And prior to that, I was working somewhere else. So, uh, right after graduation, I've been in the counseling field, helping lots and lots of students from India and a little bit from, you know, Southeast Asia as well. And uh, managed to help, you know, more than 150 or so students, 150 to 200 now, I'd say, uh, in the last seven years. And at Next Track alone, we've helped more than 100 students now. And uh, I myself was, you know, an undergrad student in the US as well. So sort of had that experience and now trying to guide students in the best way possible. Perfect. So uh, let's uh, divert a conversation towards college application, which is actual topic of our podcast today. So why is it important for a student to care about, uh, you know, college application that much? Sure, sure. Uh, so, you know, at, at the end of the day, when it comes to applications and regardless of whichever country you're applying to, uh, the the admission officers in today's day and age receive so many applications. In some cases, you know, it's thousands. In some cases, it's 50,000 plus. Yeah. And now with certain colleges like UCLA, NYU, they get applications of, you know, more than one lakh students. Uh, so it's really important to kind of make sure your application is the one that's, that's doing all the talking. And especially if you look at the US, the, the application process is what they call holistic admissions, which means it's not only about your academics. There's a lot of other pieces that come into play as well. So making sure all those aspects of your application, whether that's the essay, whether that's the activities, the extracurricular section, or if you're reporting any academic honors, uh, students really need to know, you know, how to kind of manage to report those in the correct manner. Uh, and the interesting thing is, you know, applications across countries also are very different. So if you're applying to the UK, the personal statement is very different to the Common App essay in the US. You're talking about very different things in those two things. Uh, so just understanding for which country you're applying, what sort of colleges you're, you're applying and what kind of goes into the application is important because that is what the admission officers are looking at. And at some universities, you know, they may only glance over your application for just 30 seconds to a minute. And sometimes when they find applications interesting, they want to go deeper, they can spend, you know, as, 
as much as 20 30 minutes on an on an applicant as well so uh, that that's the main thing that's what has to speak to an admission officer when you're applying so of course becomes one of the most important uh, aspects of your you know admissions process all right so uh, we'll take it step by step uh, highlighting all the uh, the profiling things that we have and all the elements that goes into a good profile so we'll talk about extracurricular activities so how does it have an impact and how much of percentage does it goes uh, in terms of showing off uh, the the extracurricular awareness of a student and does it matter uh, if a student is not into extracurriculars but has a strong academic as compared to a student who has a good academics as well as uh, you know extracurricular he has good uh, yeah. inclination towards that yeah no great question i think uh, you know one one thing that i want to start with is that uh, we we talk about profile and we talk about portfolio building and all these yeah. terminology that we use uh, in the education space uh, it's important to note that you know it's, it's not needed for every country uh, when it comes to the UK, the profiling looks very different to what it is for the US. Uh, and now for a lot of the Indian liberal arts colleges as well, if you're applying to, you know, schools like Ashoka, Kriya, they also ask for your activities and extracurriculars. So in a lot of countries that does come into play and in a lot of countries, it's not something that is looked at and it is more on your academics. Uh, let me perhaps start with the US and then I can touch on you know, UK and a couple other countries as well. Mm -hmm. So US is the place where if, if someone, if a student comes to us and says, you know, we're looking at the US, profile building is the biggest uh, component in the US for the US, uh, purely because like I mentioned, uh, they use a terminology called holistic admissions, which means we're going to look at your academics. We're going to look at your extracurriculars and activities. And when they say extracurricular activities, what they're really saying is that it's not like you have to do a certain thing to meet their criteria. Uh, what they really want to understand is that in your high school years, which is grade nine to grade 12, how have you spent your time outside of academics uh, and what have you done in that time? So at times we look at extracurriculars from a lens of, you know, I need to do something really big and only then does it uh, make a difference. But the interesting part is, you know, when you go into the common app, uh, you'll actually see some of the, sort of items that are given in the activities section are whether or not you have any household responsibilities, whether or not, you know, you have religious practices. Uh, so we actually had a student in the past and, you know, today he's at Princeton. He had actually mentioned uh, a household activity, a chore that he used to do in his house. And that was one of his 10 activities. Similarly, another student who is at Wesleyan today, which is a top liberal arts school, uh, similarly had written another household activity that he was a part of. He would help his parents in, you know, certain chores on the weekends. So they, they, they the college admissions is trying to see how have you spent your time? Uh, and that is where the activity section kind of comes into play as well. Now, apart from that, they also look at essays, they look at LORs, and there are lots of other things that the U.S. also kind of focuses on which is, you know, how rigorous has your curriculum been? So if you're looking at the top 10, top 20, 30 schools in the US, they will look at the fact that, have you challenged yourself academically? Have you taken rigorous courses? Uh, and that can also come into play. 
and of course standardized testing is a big component of of it as well uh so it's hard to kind of say and pinpoint that you know this is uh this much percentage or that is that much percentage but what i will say overall is that the academics is the foundation of your application that is the backbone uh every now and then you might see some exceptions being made that you know a student was not in the top tier academically but they got into a fantastic school and that is when you know that you know the other part of the application was so strong or they the admissions saw something there uh which really appealed to them and that's when they decided to take that student but in in majority of the cases and the norm you'll see is that uh if you're looking at let's say ivy league schools for example they will be looking at the top most academic students first so that becomes the backbone of your application now in addition to that they do want to see extracurriculars activities how have you spent your time what types of activities can a student do though it really varies you can you know you'll hear about social work you'll hear about starting your own project you'll hear about research uh leadership opportunities that exist in your own school sports music the list just goes on right. they just want to see what is it that you're interested in and how have you make a made the most out of that opportunity as well so mm-hmm. we will always encourage students to kind of think around areas that they are interested in uh that could be an academic area that could be a passion or hobby and we try and see how can we build activities around that as well uh but that component becomes quite important in a us process now let's say there is a student who is all academic uh but they don't really have a lot outside of that uh does that mean you can't go to a us college and you can't get a good admission no absolutely not colleges will still value for value you for who you are uh however they will look at that component as well and wonder that you know what is it that you did outside of the academic piece uh because when you're being compared to other students in an application pool the comparison makes the difference so if a student is an ip today and a certain student is getting a score an x score the other student is also getting that but that other student has also done 10 other very good things they might you know opt for them so there are those components that come in and you have to remember your applications are being compared to each other uh, so academics alone for the us sometimes does not cut it uh, but that's not to say that every college will want you know heavy extracurriculars and mm-hmm. stuff we have had students in the past i'm being very conscious of the fact that you know a lot of students will listen to these things and and they want this information you know some students sometimes are struggling academically and and that's a reality as well so mm-hmm. we at times deal with students who are not able to do academically well and we are actually the first ones who will tell them listen let's let's take it a little lightly on the extracurriculars you don't have to kill yourself doing that just because you're thinking us colleges want that mm-hmm. we can you can kind of design how you want to do your activities how you want to spend that time for a student today who is not able to cope academically i would always say first focus on that and mm-hmm. then you know let's say in your summer break let's say in your winter break we can find ways on what are the some what are some of the things that you can indulge in and and add to your profile so to say uh, but you know if that academic component is not sorted out first 
uh, I would not advise a student to go and spend a lot of time doing extracurriculars as well. So you have to be very mindful in terms of who are you talking to, which is the student uh, that makes a difference. And on the other hand, if you look at the UK, uh, and if you tell them you've done social work, that doesn't really come into play. Unless you can explain that in your personal statement that I volunteered somewhere and it gave me some of the skills that are needed for my academic course that I'm applying for. So the UK personal statement becomes about if I'm applying for business management today, why am I a fit for it? How have I prepared myself for business management? So I would rather read about, you know, business books. I would pick up uh, entrepreneurial books and things like that and indulge in those sort of things. You can do research if you want, but it should, the idea is try and keep it to the field of study that you're looking at. So even depending on each country uh, of choice, it does make a difference. And like I said, each each student is different. Everybody should not be doing so much extracurricular profile building. And sometimes that pressure mm -hmm. gets created can be a lot as well. But very important to kind of ask yourself and ask your counselor what is needed for you exactly. Mm -hmm. So is it right to say that uh, extracurriculars are more uh, inclined towards the uh, the personality and the traits that the student have and build on that instead of them taking on to activities which are, you know, not not suitable for them in the sense that uh, they might not be in towards, uh, you know, working yeah. towards like uh, that particular thing. So let's say if we talk about sports, let's say a student is very good in dance and just to add on to the extracurriculars, they take on a sport that they're not very good at. They cannot, um, you know, somewhat not good uh, uh, at yeah. par or at par with the best in that criteria. So is right. it uh, right to say that it is uh, more towards the personality of the student? Yeah, I, I'd say so. I think it you have to kind of pull out those conversations as a counselor. That becomes one of our jobs as well that, you know, mm -hmm. you need to initiate conversations to understand the student mm -hmm. on what their interests are. Because, you know, let's be real, we're dealing with grade 8, grade 9, grade 10 students. They don't know mm -hmm. what they're interested in. Right. You, you have to make them do self-reflection. You have to kind mm -hmm. of ask them questions. So they actually understand themselves better that, okay, yes, this is you know, a cause that I care about perhaps. Mm -hmm. And now, now that I know I care about uh, poverty, let's say, mm -hmm. now I can start to go and do something about that. Uh, another student may not care about poverty, but they may care about uh, animals and, you know, animals. So another activity for them would mm -hmm. revolve around that. So mm -hmm. definitely building on their interest would be important. But I think initially pulling out what those interests are is mm -hmm. really important as well. And I think I'll also just suggest that in certain situations are also where I think a student should be pushed and encouraged to try something new, but it shouldn't be that I think I need a sport on my profile. So let mm -hmm. me go play a sport, even though I don't enjoy this. Right. Uh, I don't think that should be the case, but mm -hmm. if they generally want to test themselves, they want to get outside of their comfort zone and say, you know what, I'm not playing the sport. And mm -hmm. I want to push myself to to take on a new activity or take on a new challenge. Sure, that that would be fine uh, to some degree. I think when we look at profile building, we kind of even think of it in a way that what is it that you kind of care about? What are the things mm -hmm. you enjoy doing? And how can we kind of combine them to 
a cause that you're you're kind of standing up for but the other side of that would be something around their academics as well so mm-hmm. if we know someone wants to today let's say study biology for example it'll be nice to see if we can build on certain activities in and around the field of biology now right. that could be internship that could be going deeper into a course that could be a summer course that could be a research opportunity uh, it's not to say that that student has to do research has to do an internship but the idea is get some more exposure in that field build some skill sets in that field as well because not only will that help you you know for your profile but it's also exposing you to the to the field to the industry before you go in for that major at times students steer away from a certain topic because they realize if this is what my life will look like after this major i may not want to do it and at times it validates their interest that this is what i thought i like and mm. after tested this i realized i really love doing this and i think this is what i want to major in so the activities that you pick can never hurt you they can only help you uh, you know i always say it's not just about college but the fact that you're indulging in these kind of things between grade 9 to grade 12 it's also shaping your personality uh, but i personally am against that thing of you know let's say a student comes in today i will never go and just say you need to do this this and this it's the idea is first understanding the student mm. working with them and then a few weeks into it is when the ideas actually start to flow that this could be something good for you mm-hmm. for you okay so uh, we have seen um, in past few years that the results that we have uh, received from the students and their admissions a lot of students have uh, you know excelled in leadership scores and actually landed the sort of uh, you know college they were expecting to get into so one uh, for example one you were just mentioning about a bio a uh, course and yeah. do an internship in that so we had actually a student who uh, pursued chemistry and is now in stanford because of the internship and the research work he did so uh, so yeah. talking about leadership how does that particular element help in the profile building of a student if you can emphasize on that point a little bit more absolutely i think leadership is a is a huge point and uh, yeah. it's something we always try and encourage our students to think about as well and when it comes to adding the component of leadership to your profile there are two aspects to it always i mm-hmm. i call it formal leadership which will be like a formal title that let's say the school has given you you're the house mm-hmm. captain or you're the school mm-hmm. captain mm-hmm. so you carry a formal title with you of leadership which you know puts a lot of responsibilities and duties on you and in in a lot of ways to gain those kind of positions in school uh you have to be excelling academically you have to be excelling in certain areas mm-hmm. uh which if you think about it amongst your own batch you're already sort of ahead you're kind of ahead of the rest of the batch and that is mm-hmm. why you're getting those positions as well so sometimes you know when you look at school captains and head boys and head girls in a lot of cases they are excelling already which mm-hmm. of course will make a positive impact on their Uh, admission process as well on the other hand if you're not getting those positions that's okay because mm-hmm. again everyone can't get it you know in right. a batch of 30 students 3 4 5 positions may exist like that but mm-hmm. not more than that so mm-hmm. everyone can do it does that mean everyone can't be a leader absolutely mm-hmm. not now mm-hmm. this is where what i'll call informal or a non formal whatever you want to call it leadership title comes in which okay. is 
how can you build your own activities and mm. become a leader in that so an example that i'll that i'll give is that you know we've had a couple of students in the last uh, year or two where they've taken their passions like music or dance to non profit schools and created like a curriculum around that so right. the example that i'll give is you know one of our students last year what he did is mm. he used to play the guitar and used to sing so we kind of brainstormed how can you so uh, go into this ngo school that mm-hmm. does not have a music teacher today because you know they can't afford that luxury mm-hmm. and start make a cur- make like a music curriculum for them where you can go in once a week and actually teach them music mm-hmm. and we basically spoke to the school figured out 15 20 students who wanted to be a part of that class now the student is going every saturday morning and conducting a music class for that uh 15 to 20 group of students and he did that for like 6 months to a year or so yeah. uh now the same thing what you could have done that same student could have gone to that non profit and said hey i have some free time on a saturday morning and i want to do something with the school how can i volunteer and let's say they give him some responsibilities that this is what you can do this is how you can volunteer and he volunteers Mm-hmm. Is there anything good or bad in both situations? No. no. If someone is going volunteering, that's also a great thing. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. But how can you put that into a leadership component? Mm-hmm. That leadership component becomes in a way that that student created his own curriculum. First, he kind of built. Okay, what can twenty, thirty classes of music look like? How will I conduct this? How will I run this? Mm-hmm. And now you're taking your own project to that school, saying. I want to come in and I want to deliver this project that I have already built for you. That yeah. is that is what you can bring in leadership as well. So yeah. what we'll always try and encourage our students to do is that you know instead of thinking of it very passively which is I'll just go there and I'll just do something, let's think how can I take an active initiative and make an impact or make a mark in that. So you're still going to an NGO but you're going with your own project similarly if you're doing an internship tomorrow how can you be proactive about that and create your own mini project within that internship uh so that is where i think leadership does come in mm-hmm. uh, i'll also is that with the fact that it's not always for everyone uh whenever we have students who like they they sign up with us in the first few weeks we actually will show them certain skills and certain traits that are needed for certain activities so mm-hmm. we'll always tell them that you know if you're looking to do your own projects if you're looking to create something of your own one thing you have to keep in mind is you have to be very self driven as well because right. while we are here to create ideas and create a path for you you have to be the one to run it now certain students you know they are okay not being that driven at that age and that is also mm-hmm. okay and mm-hmm. in those cases going and volunteering and spending that time doing something valuable is still very good yeah. so uh, i would always encourage if a student can think like a leader it's 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 a must uh, but if that can, done. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but if that doesn't happen that you know that's okay as well it's not it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. all right all right so you uh, spoke about a lot of things uh, you know okay so i also wanted to mention that uh that i think that, that you're absolutely correct when you said that because every student's uh college application has to be personalized in the sense that it has to show what your personality resonates right so that that part of uh, you know having um 
sorting out your uh, curriculars and projects and everything is on the student to understand and all to uh, gauge that what exactly I can do and what I can continue with. It's not like that you start many things and you don't end it. It is all about where you end that and what high note you leave it at. Right. So with that, uh, so you, in the previous answer that uh, you mentioned that academics are very important, and very crucial when we talk about college applications, right? Uh, and UK is all about academics, inclined towards academics a lot. So uh, when we talk about the balance that, uh, you know, the students fail to maintain in the sense that they have to take care of the extracurriculars and then the projects that they're doing in order to look and stand out better in the applications and then they have academics that they cannot let go of so uh, what do you suggest the students do in order to maintain that balance and have everything at check yeah i mean i think that's the toughest part of that journey right because yeah. uh, maintaining that balance and making sure uh, your academics don't slip along the way is is also a very crucial part and something that every student of course has to be mindful of I think you know one thing that I'll say and you'll hear college counselors say this a lot that start the process early and mm. you know we're not just saying start the process early because we just want you to sign up in grade nine or mm. something it uh it's it's genuinely to kind of space out things a right. little bit as well because if right. you can start in grade nine and now let's say you've worked with a counselor for a year you've built some skills you've done some introduction courses you've got some exposure through certain activities let's say by grade 10 you've created your own project by the time you're applying to college that project you've done for the last two two and a half years and here's the beauty about it it's okay if you're not putting in three hours a day every single day for the last three years. If you know if you've done two months of very intense work, but then one month, one and a half month, very limited work happened in that project because you had exams. Mm -hmm. No problem. You you know you don't need to tell anybody that because when you look back at your two and a half year journey in grade mm -hmm. twelve when applying, you don't remember months that oh in that June. I had exams and I did not do anything on that project, but in July and August, I spent a lot of time. You will just remember that two, two and a half year journey and where that started and where is that ending. And in some cases, it'll continue for a lot of students. Mm -hmm. So starting early gives you a lot of time and space to kind of chart out time for a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, certain activities I would say a couple of activities could be very long-term activities that could go on for a year or two years. And those are like your personal projects if you want them. Versus other activities could be, you know, two weeks long. They could be three months long. They could be four months long. So you have more phases. If you're starting this in grade nine or maximum by grade 10, you have three summer vacations now to do something. You have three winter vacations now to do something. Mm -hmm. Versus when you come, Grade 11, you may only have one or two summer vacations, one winter break, and that makes a huge difference because suddenly you're feeling the pressure that, you know, I want to do a lot and I have to do a lot, uh, but I have to balance that with academics. So the, the biggest piece that I'll say, nobody can do everything all at the same intensity all the time. It mm -hmm. has to be a give and take where you're going through an exam period or you're going through a prep exam period, you might want to ease it off on the extracurriculars at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you might want to take the intensity up 
once that period is over same mm-hmm. thing happened you know with standardized testing that mm-hmm. if you can take at the start of grade 11 and it's finished in the first term by december mm-hmm. or so it's it's out of the way for you and now you can exactly. focus on so many other things mm-hmm. so i think planning does become a, a huge part of this and if you can structure out it in a in a long term manner it really does help a lot but uh, otherwise take some guidance ask your counselor on what is important in which phase uh, mm-hmm. we always tell our students that look if it's getting too much you have to be honest with us you have to tell us what's what at the same time i will also say if you are somebody who is literally aiming for the top most colleges today then you also have to accept the reality at some level that there is a lot of work that goes into it it's not right. supposed to be it's not supposed to be for everyone mm-hmm. so if you're fine self putting in a lot of work it it is required because the application pool is extremely competitive as well right uh, but i'd say starting early makes makes a huge difference because it just gives you 3 4 years to kind of build on that experience mm-hmm. right okay so the next element that comes into picture is the standardized test and what you know we do at udella and yeah to uh, uh, to you know add on to the quest, uh, to the answer that you mentioned earlier that students should start early it's actually very right yeah. this standardized test also takes around 4 to 5 months for students if they are going for sat or act right. and then if if they are going for aps as another you know 3 to 4 months added to that counter so starting right makes uh, you know all the more uh, sense that you can cover most of the bases and not starting yeah. you know at a later time and then thinking okay i could have done this as well and you know it's just taking the right amount of um, things that you can put in your kitty so uh, talking about standardized tests a uh, test what do you think about sat and act and you know we saw during covid that uh, many colleges went test blind and a lot of uh, went test optional uh, so what is your point of view on that and what do you suggest the students do when it comes to choosing between sat and act and going ahead with a standardized test yeah i think it's very interesting now the test prep landscape has really changed after covid i think and yeah. you would have seen that uh, better than i than i have uh, yeah. i mean we definitely see more students do you know test optional as well and they mm-hmm. use advantage policy uh, but you know someone comes to me in grade 10 or starting of grade 11 i will always encourage them to look at sat or act mm-hmm. which one uh, honestly we would leave it to tutela yeah. we would kind of and that look do do the diagnostic and then they yeah. are the experts whether sat is a better format for you or act mm-hmm. uh, both are you know equally acceptable so there's no problem there mm-hmm. uh, but when it comes to whether a student should do it or not especially because now a lot of students kind of come up with this question that oh i saw that you know it's test optional now these colleges don't need it so i can just kind mm-hmm. of void it and not do it anymore uh while that's true it's also important to kind of understand how it sort of plays out mm-hmm. i think when we interact with admission officers there are certain set of universities where we have seen that the the class that is being admitted to the college about 50% of them are going test option and about 50% of them are applying with a test score uh mm-hmm. on the other hand though there are certain colleges some ivy leagues you know are a part of this as well where if you actually look at the admitted class 
and you then see what percentage of the admitted class applied test optional, that number for most of them is less than 20%. So in a lot of the top tier schools, 80% or more students who got admitted did submit their SAT or ACT score uh, versus with a lot of other schools, you know, the ratio is 50-50. So you can take advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, but someone who's at that stage, grade 10, grade 11, I will always say take the SAT or take the ACT because mm -hmm. then you can always decide uh, whether you want to submit your score or not. So today we have so many students who will submit their score for certain colleges and go test optional for other colleges. Uh, because the nicest thing about U.S. colleges is they release their statistics every year where they kind of tell you what that 25th percentile is, 50th percentile is, 75th percentile is. Yeah. Now, for anyone kind of watching this, if today a college has 75th percentile for them is 1500 and mm. let's say 25th percentile is a 1380, 1430 or something is like, let's say, or 50th percentile. Now you go take the SAT and you got a 1470. You're somewhere between that 50th and 75th percentile. You are in an advantageous position to submit that SAT score to that college. Uh, right. Versus let's say another college where the 25th percentile is a 1460. Mm -hmm. I would then probably advise avoid submitting the SAT score there uh, if the rest of your application is very strong because mm -hmm. that score kind of puts you at a lower end in the in the mm -hmm. rest of the class. Mm -hmm. So you can be very smart now about where you want to submit your score, where you want to apply test optional. There's yeah. a huge advantage there. But don't be lazy in your thought process. <laughs> don't be like, oh, because it's test optional, I just don't want to do it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, always encourage, do your best, take two attempts, if three, if it's needed for you, right? And then see what's the best you can get. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, even if you can submit that score to your fit and reach colleges, you are getting an advantage there. Why would you not take it? Exactly. You know, maybe to the college list, you go test optional, but at least mm -hmm. reach and fit, you can submit your score. So I would always advise that even with test option policies, one should definitely take it. Uh, certain exceptions where I would say a student is really struggling with math at the end of 10th. And the parent comes to me and says, look, my child is just struggling so much in math. It's a subject that scares them so much that SAT just kind of makes them so fearful. Mm -hmm. uh, in those situations, I would say, you know, test optional might be a better approach for you. Uh, yeah. But unless that is your situation, right. uh, I, I think you should definitely go for uh, testing it's you know just do it and then see where you land up compare your score to what the percentiles are of the college list that you're looking to apply to and then take a call on where to submit it where not to submit it unless you really have a fear of certain subject that is there in SAT or ACT and you really feel that will impact the rest of your academics uh, that's the only time I would kind mm -hmm. of advise that uh, to you and you know, even with the EPs, mm -hmm. I think just be clever about why you are taking certain subjects. Uh, you need to have a good reason for why you are taking EPs because admission right. officers really tell us that we sometimes think that a student had bio in school and then that they did uh, a bio AP and we didn't really understand why they did that. Mm -hmm. So 
we would really advise our students and i know you guys do that as well that it needs to make sense you know if you are right. not taking uh, economics in school perhaps it's a good thing for you to take micro macro economics mm-hmm. or in a curriculum where you feel that maybe uh, the curriculum is not as strong so i want to mm-hmm. take an ap to test myself and to make my curriculum more rigorous uh, that is also a fair way and why fair reason to do it but admission officers always need to know that you're doing something different with aps you're you're creating diversity in your subject choice as well you're not just doing the same thing that you're studying in school there's no point of doing that right that that is a uh, very true if we talk about ib curriculum uh, so if you're taking ib yeah. aps are not necessarily very um, will back you up in any manner but let's say if we talk about a curriculum which is cbse for that yeah. it's a huge jump it's a very huge jump Correct. if you take the same subject if you, if you have it in your 11th or 12th so that yeah. is how it changes and also if i talk about the fear that you were speaking math is a legit fear in students and i i count myself in that so uh, but i have cha- seen you know students change that fear into the likeness towards math okay so i'll tell you an incident so we had the student uh, he um, one week before his ap calculus bc exam he scored yeah. 1 out of 5 and he ended wow. up scoring 5 out of 5 in his wow. actual ap exam so that's the turnaround uh, you know yeah. turnaround we have seen here matlab even if you talk about sat and act the math that is there is just you know the school level math only there's nothing hard and fast as right. in aps aps are more college level programs so it's not something that you've not learned it is just that if you want to add to your kitty and you want to add to your college application you have to sort of let go of the fear because if you're not studying okay. here you might end up studying in college and you know to have a fear of uh that particular subject then is more dangerous than you know letting go of the fear here so here the safe environment so i have actually seen student do that and has like my god only if i would have had these teachers in my time i would have done something yeah. good in math but yeah i no, i absolutely right you know we uh, we had a similar case actually last year and the student ended up at a very good college eventually but he mm-hmm. uh dropped math after grade 8 i mean his fear yeah. of math was so much that from the whole of high school he just did not have math on his transcript so right. he came to us somewhere in you know early grade 11 time and our first thing was you know let's we should try and see if we can add math mm-hmm. back to that transcript through an ap and when i think when he looked at calculus he found it too much because he had no background in math in 9th and 10th also right. but then eventually he ended up doing ap stats and got a 4 and uh, we actually you know got feedback from a couple of admission officers as well that that ap stats really did help because mm-hmm. at least you can show some sort of uh, strength in that subject and certain subjects fortunately or unfortunately are fundamental subjects at least at the high school level and math ends up being one of them uh, and to your point about ap's absolutely so yeah. the nice thing with you know the indian curriculum is that even if you're doing Uh, a lot of things in that at times the theory part of it in ap's can be so different that it's like even subject is the same the learning is very different at very, the end of the day yeah. that uh, completely agree and that's where 
a CBSE curriculum student can certainly, you know, if they're doing well in school, they feel settled in grade 11, certainly can look to add uh, one or two APs at least uh, to strengthen their rigor in their curriculum as well. And even with IB students, I feel, uh, I think in IB, I guess the reason to do AAP would be not the rigor, but it might be diversity. You may want to pick a subject that you're not doing in the IB. And you may want to add a seventh subject there, mm. uh, which can help you as well. So, yeah, it's just that the reason, of course, the student needs to know what the reason is, not just blindly go and say, my friend is doing the AP, so yeah. I'm also going to do it. Just yeah. know why you're doing it, which subject is the right choice for you. And of course, you know, you guys, Tutela, Tutela, and of course, counselors like us, we'll, we guide those students together and uh, eventually that guidance is very important in that domain as well right right absolutely so uh, okay and now we are going to um ask you to uh, give us some important tips for our students on college essays so college essays i've seen students be scared of they Mm. are scared of writing about themselves and you know going uh through that lane of actually explore, exploring themselves in the process of actually yeah. the, writing the essays. So how do you uh, make sure that a student stands out in their college essays? Because that is essentially what everything boils down to when at the end of the application. So, yeah. and I would like you to share some tips as well that uh, the students can take care of while they're writing their essays. Sure, sure. I think in terms of college essay, especially when we're you know looking at the US there, very self-reflective essays at the end of the day mm-hmm. and uh, self-reflection is not something we have done a lot in India or we've been taught to <laughs> yeah, uh, through high school and you know even if you ask someone in their late 20s early 30s to be like self-reflect on certain areas it's not an easy thing to do so uh, when students have to do this in high school times and think about childhood experiences think mm-hmm. about how you know they work they operate uh, Maybe sometimes they're discovering patterns of their own habits. Mm. They're understanding themselves better. That's a very important process in the essay writing in the essay writing journey as well. So what we do is we have a bunch of uh, brainstorming exercises with them, where mm. they'll think about how they kind of you know what's their own self identity, uh, okay. what type of challenges they feel they faced in the past, what types of accomplishments they are the most proud of you know mm-hmm. so just understanding them better and uh, what it does is one it kind of helps the student sort of just think back on a lot of times and at times students really like they can really enjoy it or they can really hate the exercise because they're like i'm having to think about so many things that I've, i yeah. don't have to think about otherwise yeah. but that's the whole you need to spend that time you need to kind of dig deeper into your own memory lane in some ways and see what are the experiences that have formed you in some way and shaped you Uh, so it helps them kind of see all those things and the other thing is it gives us a lot of things about the student so we would have hopefully worked with them for a year two years already by the time we're doing essays but a lot of times students are you know they just joined in they came late uh, and it gives us a great opportunity for us to start certain conversations with them. Because if we realize, okay, these are two instances that seem interesting and, you know, we'll be like, okay, let's dig deeper. Let's create a conversation around this. 
so the brainstorming exercises help in a lot of ways to create conversations with the student and then we figure out more and more stories now the one of the tips that i'll give on college essays is that you can't write about everything you, right. you just cannot you can't just capture who you are and what you've done and extracurriculars and this it can't be about that uh it has to be you have to pick a certain angle a certain story something that that essay reveals about you to an admission officer and you have to be happy with what that something is so one essay about a certain student can talk about their ambitious attitude mm-hmm. another essay same student can talk about how they got over a certain fear which could be you know math for example we were mm-hmm. talking about the fear yeah yeah uh, and and both those stories can belong to the same student it's really about you what you feel is the story that you want to put in front of that admission officer and what you think portrays you in the best way possible perhaps uh, and sometimes that means being vulnerable sometimes that means admitting that i was not good at something or i struggled with something uh, yeah. acknowledging that in that essay and talking about the the growth journey uh, through that phase as well but it's up to you what you want to share what we always say is you have to be authentic you can't share someone else's story you can't make up stories uh you have to be authentic with what you are sharing who you are what you are made up of and the other thing that i'll also add as a tip is that very often sometimes students or parents will come and ask us that you know should i not talk about my research here or should i not talk about my personal project because i spent two years doing that and uh, the answer is if you feel that has i mean if you can capture your journey of the process and what you went through to do it but if you're just highlighting pieces about your project and you are not present in that essay there's no point because the activity section is there to do that so admission officers at colleges will always say that tell us a story that we can't find in the rest of the application don't tell us that you're getting a stars because we can see that on your transcripts mm-hmm. so spend more time revealing certain things about yourself that cannot be seen anywhere else in the application and the last part of that is that is one part where you can tell a story the rest of it is a few lines even the activities that you write the extracurricular activities they're limited to 150 characters you can't write more than that so you can't write an essay on that exactly in mm-hmm. uh, in the application at least so everything else is brief a lot of data is there around your standardized testing around your high school score subjects this is the part where the human touch kind of comes into play as well so make it about that reveal yeah. something share something that you want to create in that essay you want to share uh, with the admission officer and i always say this that a lot of aos tell us this that at the end of the essay or at the end of the application they might write you know a few lines about a certain student so i always say that when you read your own essay what is it that you will write about yourself you know what are the few characteristics few things and that emotion that's that's kind of coming up inside you or inside another reader who's read your essay uh, so so focus on that what what story you're delivering on and there is an art to it you want to deliver a story you don't want to bore the reader you mm-hmm. want to try and create a recall factor that you know 
if I'm sitting in an admission office today and six application readers are there and we've all done hundred application reviews in a day, I want to be able to kind of be like, oh, you know, that student who wrote about her sister and her relationship with her, that was really interesting. So mm. if you can create certain factors in that essay, which creates a recall, which mm. creates a memory, that's that's always helpful. Uh, and the last part, your essay does not have to be written in the most advanced English writing style ever. Uh, Basically, again, the... don't use chat GPT for your essays. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's... Really personalized. Right. Right. So I actually wanted to know your thoughts on that because there are so many, uh, you know, um, softwares available that that are AI driven and they can do the job in minutes. You just have to write the instances and your job is done. But then ultimately, that's that's not who you want to tell your story. That's not exactly I like I shouldn't call it a person, but yeah. That's not right. That, that's not right. So, uh, is it a way that uh, colleges can actually make out if the uh, the the essay has been written with an AI, with the help of an AI, or I think it should be. It is frowned upon, right? If in yeah, I I think there's no way to catch it right now. And in fact, the same question that you're asking me, I asked uh, three admission officers last year. I was meeting them. Uh, I think it was just around when chat GPT kind of became a really yeah. big thing. And it yeah, was yeah, weeks yeah. after that, uh, sometime around last August. And I asked them the same question that, you know, are you seeing more students kind of use chat GPT for essays? And is there a way that universities are putting in systems to kind of catch that mm-hmm. as well? And they said, no, not really. And they said, we don't think it impacts us a lot because at the end of the day the student is compromising on their own story uh you know because chat gpt can like you said it can't personalize something right. if, if today's student is feeling a certain feeling and mm. they have to put that into words it's not going to come out the same way when you put that into chat gpt in just five lines right. for it to write an essay for you so it will give you something and it can go in the common app it will read like an okay essay for sure yeah. No denying that. But if you really want to look at some of the top schools and you're trying to kind of dig deeper into what is it that I want to reveal to the college, it has to be your story at the end. Uh, So even as, you know, counselors, our job with essays is to really help you think, to make you curious about what is it you want to write about? Mm -hmm. What story will I pick for my essay? Uh, and then, you know, little bit of help can be there on are the edits right? Is the grammar okay? Things like that. But we can't think for you. We can't feel for you. Those mm-hmm. are your emotions. That's your journey. And it has to come out in that manner. Right. Right. And um, if we talk about the influence of social media that, you know, the current generation has on them, is there a way that, you know, there are uh, multiple um thoughts when we think about social media there are positive and there are negatives right so is oh. there a way that the social media influence or uh, the use of social media can be taken positively towards uh, their application process in a way yeah i mean i think uh, like you said there's both positives and negatives as well 
a lot of students use social media to build their own sort of presence at times Brand, so when yeah. they're applying to college they're you know they're putting in their insta handles uh and yeah. at times we've had students who've done their own projects so mm. someone who's done an independent project of creating awareness on something they had an instagram page on that mm. being done so you can when you're working on projects you can certainly create a lot of insta pages and do a lot of work on that as well mm-hmm. uh and that can certainly go into the application as well in the additional information section so it can be used for a digital presence in the right mm-hmm. way uh at the same time i would say also be mindful of social media at times from a negative perspective that i personally feel it can sometimes add and create pressure that does not exist Uh, you know, I'd written this blog, I think, a couple of years back about this. How sometimes you're getting into a certain college, and you're happy about it, but then you realize someone from your school got into even a better college and stuff, and it starts to make you feel that did I not achieve what I was supposed to achieve? Yeah. And very often you speak to those students, and they are at those respective universities six months, eight months later. They're extremely happy. They're having a gala time they're like i'm mm. in the right place i'm doing all the right classes i'm meeting all the right people but you know when you're going through the process uh sometimes getting accepted and getting rejected can mean such big yeah. things right. and social media can sometimes play a huge role there so just right. be mindful of, you know it's it's benefits as well and it's also the yeah. downside of it but i would just say to students that find ways on how you can kind of use social media for yourself in the right way and you consume social media don't let it consume you right you absolutely know? right and at the end of the day your application and the college that you land is very personalized so you absolutely. know not it's not that it's if it's an ivy league it is for everybody it is not for everybody and right. not every college is for everybody you have to pick your fights and just because somebody got there doesn't mean that you would have liked that it is at the end of the as i said it's a personal thing so yes i think yeah with I that agree. question we came to the end of this podcast thank you so much abhinav i think you answered all the question very uh, nicely and i think all the listeners would have loved the all the information that you imparted thank you so much for being here today thank you artika thanks for the opportunity as well and uh, have a great day thank you you too it was my pleasure thank you so much and to all the listeners if you like this podcast don't forget to like share and subscribe to the channel and i'll see you in the next one thank you